Welcome to This Good Word, where every week we look at one single word in an endless discovery of reclaiming what's holy about our humanity. My name is Steve Weens. I'm a pastor, I'm a writer, and I'm a father of three crazy boys. My hope with this podcast is to create an environment where you can continually discover who you actually are in the world. So feel free to check out my website at steveweens.com, S-T-E-V-E-W-I-E-N-S.com, where you can find links to my blog, to purchase my book, which is called Beginnings, The First Seven Days of the Rest of Your Life, and also links to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Enjoy the podcast, everybody. Hey friends, here we are, this good word, episode 50. We're with Andrew Peterson today. And Andrew is a singer-songwriter, lives in Nashville, Tennessee. His most recent record, The Burning Edge of Dawn, is one of my very favorites. It's one of those ones that is just on repeat for me as I work, as I run. It's so very good. So we talked a bit about that record on the show today, and we also talked about the fact that Andrew has written four amazing books that I would call fall into the fantasy, maybe juvenile literature genre. It's called The Wing Feather Saga, and it's about these three siblings that find out over the course of many adventures that they are much, much bigger than they thought they were, that their destiny is much bigger than they thought it was. And it is so, so good. So you're going to want to get into those books. I'm going to put the links on them on the show notes. And today on the podcast, I had two guests help interview Mr. Peterson, and it was so fun. Oh my goodness. So fun. So today's episode was was, uh, a whole lot of fun. Before we get into the interview, though, Uh, We had our event, Sobriety and Spirit, on June 25th with Seth Haynes. It was so cool. It was so good. It was so much better than I even dreamed it would be. And we captured the audio to that event, Sobriety and Spirit, where Seth talked about what is pain, what is addiction, and what is sobriety. So we have over two and a half hours of content. We're providing that for you if you choose to purchase it for 10 bucks which is a deal uh, because Seth shares his story about his son Titus and this mysterious illness that he had that drove Seth to dependency on alcohol and how he climbed out of that. And uh, so you can get it uh, on the show notes or you can just go to steveweens.com slash store and you can download it there, 10 bucks. Okay, everybody, get into this interview with Andrew Peterson. Well, here we are, everybody, with Andrew Peterson. Hey, Andrew, so glad you could make it on This Good Word. Thank you for having me, man. We are excited to see you, and I'm just going to dive right in. We are huge wing feather nuts here in Minneapolis, 
and I mean like addicts. We're crazy over here. Uh, my house, my whole house, our friends, we pass that book, that series around all the time with everyone we meet, and so we love it. And Andrew, I have some very special friends of mine that have come all the way to our house just to ask you some questions about the Wing Feather Saga, and these guys are experts. So like they may Excellent. they may stump you, they may you know I mean I, I don't know but I will say this to listeners if you haven't read the Wing Feather Saga I'll put all the links on the show notes about where to buy it but this conversation could include some questions that you won't understand but later on could be spoilers so I'm just gonna say that just right from the front I'm sure Mr. Peterson well, here um, will share what he wants to share uh, but my first guest is gonna come up and introduce himself so you ready buddy? Hello, young fella. How's it going? I love that all I can see is this. <laughs> here it is. Here, here you okay, go, there Kai. We go. Is that better? My name is Kai Hallstrom, and one thing I liked about the Wing Feather Saga was hold on, hold on. I, that. Hold on. Hello. Can you hear me? What? Can you hear me? I said, can you hear me? Okay. Uh, barely. Oh, okay. Here, here, bud. You know what? I said. Here you go. Is that better? Yes. Now I can now, hear you. Now, before you ask me your question, I have to comment on that incredibly Swedish-sounding name. Kai Holstrom, is that it? Is yeah. your family Swedish or Norwegian? Do you know? Norwegian. Norwegian. Awesome. I'm going to Sweden in two days, and I'll be in Norway in like two weeks. And so when you said your name was Kai, it made me – like a lot, a lot, there's a lot of Swedish uh, stuff in the Wingfeather Saga. Did you know that? No. So like, no. So the guy, the name Kalmar is from a Swedish city called Kalmar that is where my great grandfather is from. Oh. So all right. So I'm interrupting you, and you were going to ask me a question. I'm sorry. Yeah. So ah, one thing I one thing I really liked about the Wing Feather Saga was that it's just the kind of book that sucks me in, so I can't stop reading it. Thank um, you. I finished the fourth book in under twelve hours. The five. Wait a minute. What? <laughs> that's amazing look out yeah um, 500 pages or something like this yeah so my first question is are you going to make a fifth book well that is a good question um i wanted to end the whole series with a feeling of longing like i wanted to end the whole thing so that you wished that it could go on but also had a feeling that it was it ended kind of in the in the way that it needed to end does that make sense yeah and so I, I like endings like so, that. yeah i mean too and i kind of wanted it to be like you know if you, if you ended the book and everything was perfectly tied up you would probably kind of forget about it and then move on to the next book yeah. but if i ended it satisfying but i left a tiny little question mark that said uh I wonder what's going to happen next. Then it meant that you would go to bed wondering that night, you know, and that's what I wanted. And so that's why I, I thought about it. Like it was really hard for me to, um, to say goodbye to those characters and to the wing feather work. Cause it was about 10 years of writing the story. Um, and I would love to write more, but I don't think I want to answer the question that is raised at the end of the book. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like if I were to go and like say, and this is what happened to so-and-so, and I'm being vague on purpose. Um, 
then I think that would be a little dissatisfying. So here's here's my thoughts. is like before I die, what I want to do is write more Wing Feather Saga stories, but I want to write another series that happens either, and tell me what you think, either a thousand years later, so like so long after the events of the Wing Feather Saga that like nobody's like the history is a little bit questionable and people aren't really sure what happened uh with Janner you know what I'm saying and it would be fun to like tell a story and see how all of that stuff changed their world and then the other idea was to write a story that was like a thousand years before and go back and tell some of the history of uh the shining isle of Venera or like choose some new characters that were existing a long time before the wing feather people does that make sense yeah that makes sense so which one would you prefer, a story that was way after the end of the fourth book or way before the, the books? I think way after because I'd like to see, like, what people think of what the characters in the four books that are out now, like, what yeah. they think they did right, what they think they did wrong, what they would have done differently. I'd like oh. to see what happens like that. Okay. I like that idea, too. Like, I'm... It's more appealing to me to kind of go like I like the idea of new characters reading some history book about the Wolf King, Kalmar, you know, and people saying like, oh, yeah, I grew up reading those stories, that kind of thing. That seems like it would be kind of a fun, fun part of the story if I were to try that. So anyway, we'll see. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, another question I have is when... When Sarah, when Nia adopts Sarah Cobbler, huh? is she technically the throne warden now, or can, or is it like only blood relatives that can be throne wardens and stuff? Okay, I have never gotten that question. That's <laughs> a new question. That is so interesting. Okay, so wait, because she is Janner's age. Yeah. And then there's Omar and Lily. I don't know. That'd be, I mean, it would be kind of cool, but it does. It yeah. It would be a good throne order because she does have that whole protective thing. Like she was able to like, yeah, you know, be the queen over all of the orphans. So mm-hmm. I wonder, it's probably the first time it would have ever been, ha- would have ever happened uh, that somebody adopted an older child to be, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's what the next story is about. Okay. <laughs> that's um, a good question. Yeah. Um, another one I have is in one of the footnotes, it says that once, I think it was the Woes of Shrev, was all like a big garden and stuff. What happened to make it the Woes of Shrev? It's when uh, the, and I pronounce it Shreve, it doesn't really matter, but like okay. uh, the Woes of Shreve. Um, the, uh, okay, so you remember the chasm? Yeah. The foot of the mountains, there's this massive chasm. Yeah. Um, what I want to write, is, so in the lore of the world, when the dragons, do you remember the whole, like... Um, yeah, when the dragons sunk the mountains. The dragons sunk the mountains, and they were trying to find the... the Hallowell and Hallor. Totally, yeah. So in that process, they they were digging. Uh, and part of that process, when the mountains sank way down in the sunken mountain area, uh, and in that that whole like world changing uh, season of time, the mountains actually separated from the 
thing. And so there used to be rivers and stuff that would have. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. It created, it, it, it ate up all the water that would have been there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, another one, the city of Alambria. It said that in one of the footnotes, lots of people disagreed over where it was. I think it's in the Blackwood because of all the ruins at Clovenfast and the first well. Yeah. Okay, remind me where when when do I talk about Alambria? It was like in one it was either in one of the appendices or footnotes. Uh-huh. Like you were talking about what? Was it a blast book before? Yeah, something like that. But so you were talking about Oh, it was probably when they were like translating part of when they were translating the first book. Yes. They were talking about like Dwayne and Gladys, where Alambria yes. was, the first city. Uh-huh. That. Yes. Okay, so now I'm remembering. So the first city would have been, I think the way that I wrote it originally was that the first city, Alambria, was, um, the, originally the Shining Isle was connected to yeah. inland. I heard because it said that like, once, like, um, Omer was writing something, like, now the kings, high kings, throne wardens, and song maidens, and lorewinds shall protect the fan of fire for the decades to come on the newly found Isle of Anira. Yeah. So that made me think that it was at one point connected to the mainland. It used to be connected, and then, uh, and I think Alambria was, like, on that island somewhere so it was all kind of in the same general area but it's kind of like maybe the city got like split in half or something yeah that could totally be the case because the cloven fast um man part of just so you know part of writing stories like this it's so fun because there's part of it is where i feel like i'm discovering it as i go yeah and like, so i did not know the cloven fast existed until i was writing that scene and i suddenly was like oh wouldn't it be cool if there was a city in the forest whatever and so, like, my brain gets kind of full of all this excitement of going, I wonder what that's about. And the only way for me to really discover it would be to sit down and write about it. Yeah. Um, and so one of these days, maybe I will. But I have, I, you're, you're, you're asking probably better questions than I've ever been asked before <laughs> uh, about that stuff. But I don't like, – I always had, like, a vague sense of the mythology of the thing. Like, the way Gladys, kind of like how we know that Eden would have been somewhere in Africa because yeah. – it actually talks about the Euphrates and whatever in Genesis, but like nobody knows exactly where it was or how that would have worked. Um, so anyway, I, it's kind of like that where I'm like, ah, I'm sure that it happened somewhere over there in Dang, and then it involved the Shining Isle. And I think if the fan, fan of fire was, uh, and the first well, that was the other part of it, um, was that those things were all kind of in the same general area. Um, then, uh, then yeah, the Shining Isle would have been butted right up against Dang, and there would have been like this big civilization that connected the Fane of Fire and the First Well. Does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah, it, it does make sense that the Blackwood, the Clovenfast, whatever the city was before, could have been that. But I don't know. I'll have to write the book to find out. Another thing I have is how like when all the fangs and Cloven were being like fanged. Every few people fanged, they needed a new animal. So I'm wondering how Janner could um, unfang everybody with just him. 
because it was a because there's great power in sacrificial love okay yeah that's the simple answer is that this this one like because he was giving himself so freely for the sake of all of those people um it created this like nuclear bomb version of that song only a good thing not a bad thing does that make sense okay also um one question i have about the music when is all the music gonna come out because i really want to listen to like call of the moon raiders and stuff oh man well that's the tricky thing is because it's kind of like the end of the book like i'm afraid that if i were to try to put music to all of those lyrics it would be disappointing (laughs) um i got have you heard my love has gone across the sea yeah i really like that one yeah that one turned out exactly like i wanted it to turn out but it was really hard to try to take these lyrics and make it sound like uh you know the british harp and stuff yeah that kind of thing and so um so the thought of trying to write music to all the other ones, I feel like it would just be cheesy. Okay. <laughs> and I'm trying to avoid cheese at all costs. Okay. So. Okay, you want to give uh, Soul Day a turn? Yeah, okay. I'm going to let my sister talk to you yeah. now. Dude, good questions. Good to meet okay. you. What? I said good questions. It was good to meet you, Kai. Okay. See ya. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Are you ready, Soul Day? She's coming. All right, Andrew, uh, I don't know if you can see this, but this is Solve, but she has created, obviously, Lily's crutch. Yeah. Uh, this is something she carries around with her a lot. So this is Solve. Hey, we'll, we'll get those earphones also in. Very you got them, Solve? Can you hear them? Okay. Hi, Solve. I'm Andrew. Nice to meet you. Hi. I like your crutch. Did you make that crutch? My daddy did. Man, it's really cool. Is your leg hurt? Oh, I'm so glad. I'm glad that it's not like a serving a real purpose. That's good. Did you have any questions or anything? All right. Hit me with your questions. What happened to the stone keepers? The stone keepers turned into the grossest fish creatures you could imagine. And they tried to survive on the bottom of the ocean, but they probably didn't survive long because there are like giant, terrifying people eating creatures that live on the floor of the ocean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they, they did not end well. Um, they were pretty bad. Did the blackwood black used to be the blackwood? Wait, what do you mean? Did the black wood used to be the black wood? Because the city was in it. Did it used to be a forest? No, I think it probably, well, it was probably a city that was surrounded by trees. And then when the city died and everybody left, all the trees grew up around it. Mm-hmm. Can you say thank you, Mr. Peterson? Thank you. You're welcome, Sol. Please. Bye. Well, Andrew, you just—you okay. just made the the day and maybe the year of a couple of kids here. Our friends Kai and Solve. Um, yeah, awesome. We were all together last week, and I said, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna interview Andrew," and their eyes just <laughs> got big as saucers. Then I'm like, "Oh, you guys have to be a part of it, right?" 
And so this whole week they've been rehearsing questions and boning up on wing feather lore. So um, be encouraged. I don't know. I mean, I hope you get great feedback on that work. We love it. Um, We love it and they love it. So um, I have a couple of questions for you too, my friend, um, on wing feather. And then I have two questions about your, your latest record. So, um, one of the things that's fascinating, the major themes in this book for me anyway, is that you have these beautiful, flawed adults, right? Artham and Nia and Poto, all of whom are just gloriously flawed and beautiful. And then you have these kids, right? I mean, Janner and Tink and Lily, and it's all about sort of protection, but also launching them out into the world. Right. So there's this duel. And did you is that one of the themes you were intentionally thinking about as you wrote or sort of how how do you see the the, the relationship between the adults and, and the kids? Wow, that's, that's all you Minnesotans, man. You guys know how to ask good questions. <laughs> I remember I remember hearing on NPR one time that they did a, a survey to figure out which was the most literate city in America. And it was Minneapolis. It's because all we do is read in the winter, Andrew. It's like I know. It's 30 well, I mean, below here. I'm sure that's part of it. <laughs> uh, but the, uh, so I, I don't, okay, so about theme. The themes of the book emerged um, kind of by accident. Like there were, there were pretty definite, um, I had a goal, like, uh, how do I answer the question? Um, when I started the books, like I knew that I wanted there to be some, uh, identity question that was answered. Yeah. And so it was like, you know, right, right from the outset, I wanted that first book to be kind of more like a classic fairy tale where the kids don't know the whole time that they are who they are. And then the big reveal. Of the end. And yeah, I think the grownups could probably see that coming. Um, but then, you know, not every kid has read a story where that, you know, where that happens. And so I was just trying to tell a story that would remind my children that they were precious uh, beyond their pot, their, their ability to comprehend, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. that even though their surroundings may be drab, what they think about themselves may be small, uh, that there was somebody out there who loved them and that that's where their identity lay. Yeah. Um, and so that, so from a theme standpoint, that was my main goal, right? I just was like, I just want to tell that kind of a story, um, thematically, but not any kind of dumb allegory or right. whatever. I just was like, I'm just going to, and so the cool thing was, like, I was telling Kai that the story, um, anybody out there who's tried to write fiction before, or songwriters know this too, is that this, the, the work always changes. You know, it always ends up um, pushing back while you're, while you're working on the thing. And so themes emerge that you don't really foresee. And so, and that's the real fun of being an author is like, it's kind of like sitting back and going like, oh, that moment is way better than I could do on my own. Like, yeah. that's, yeah. that's, you know the Holy Spirit, however you want to think about it, I think of it as the Holy Spirit, uh, like breathing a little bit into this or giving, giving us as sub-creators a little glimpse of what it's like. Um, or or uh, kind of like you're, you're actually just living out your calling as a yeah. human because you're, you're speaking something beautiful into the world. So, so for example, the, the idea that Janner, that the oldest brother would be not the king but would be the throne warden, um, didn't occur to me until I was almost finished with the book. Like Whoa. for most of the book, that that Janner would be um, 
would be just the, you know, the king and part of the king's responsibility is to care for those younger than him. And then, uh, but the more I got to know the characters and I saw the tension between Janner and Cal and their, uh, the fact that, um, Janner was, what I discovered at the end of the fourth book was that Janner's main, like central flaw was selfishness. Hmm. That he was just a deeply selfish person. Like he couldn't even do a good thing without thinking about the fact that he was doing a good thing. <laughs> Which uh, is basically me describing myself. Like I'm way too conscious and trying to manage you know, the way I look and because I'm all up here in my head. And so, uh, so anyway, but I didn't discover that until I wrote his story, right? So the themes just kind of like emerge out of your own wounds and your own garbage and uh, – like writing a book is is kind of an accidental way of working some of that stuff out. Definitely. I don't know if that's your question. <laughs> no, man. I, it, yeah. I mean, in in the sense that I think I love that that you're getting to know the characters as you're writing the book. And I think that's that's one of the things that makes a great book because it's alive and it's going somewhere that's a little bit apart from you. Yeah. So, um, all right. I, I have to ask this question. And then I want to get to a song, a couple songs that you wrote off your latest record. But you dedicate book one to your brother, right? And so, like, are you Janner? Are you Tink? Was, was there any bit of that that you sort of wrote in? Or is that or are they just their own people? Um, they are their own people. But there were, part of the reason I dedicated my brother, I've got a great older brother. He's a an amazing one of the like most giving people I know he's he's super weird in the best way um, he's an author he's an author but he's just like this massive servant like just uh, works incredibly hard and is um, he's like the perfect crazy uncle to my kids and his name's Pete so yeah my kids have a crazy uncle Pete and so uh, but he's he's a great dude and uh, he and I like grew up um one of the ways that we really connected and still connect is that we both geek out over the same kinds of stories and the same kinds of music most of the time the same kinds of movies like so we were growing up in this really southern town in florida and like even if we felt like nobody else around us cared about pink floyd like pete and i could get into pink you know what i'm saying yeah like so story-wise he was the one always feeding me books so he would read something and pass it on and be like dude you got to read this book so he was like the tastemaker for me as a kid. Um, and, you know, he's the one who made me read Lord of the Rings the first time and, and uh, kind of taught me to appreciate literature and all that. So, so, and he was going to be an author. Like, like we all kind of assumed it because he wrote stories when we were in high school. And uh, then he joined the Marines instead. Wow. <laughs> so he kind of had the, lived this kind of big swashbuckling life and then finally came back around and kind of found his faith again and, and ended up writing these amazing books. But he can write circles around me. That's the thing about mm. my, my brother. And, uh, you know, I'm the musical one, but he's always been the more literary one. So when I told him I was going to try to write a book, he was like, I think it woke up a little bit of healthy brother competition. Yes. He was like, I'm not going to let my punk younger brother write a book before I write a book. <laughs> and so he kind of had a spit handshake uh, wager going on to see who could – uh, write the first novel. And so um, I ended up, he actually finished his book before I finished mine, but I got mine published first. So, ha! Uh-huh. <laughs> so, anyway, so, so wait a second. Peter Peterson is his name? He was in the military where they call you by your last name. Okay. Uh, so my grandpa <laughs> in World War II and all his friends called him Pete, too. Okay. Yeah. Got it. 
name's actually Arthur, and he hates it, which I think is crazy. I think Arthur's a great name. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, beautiful. Well, thanks for indulging me in that wondering. Sure. Uh, that's delicious. All right, your last record, uh, really my favorite one of yours, though you've done so many great ones. I've, I've listened to the um, to it for, God, I mean, just over and over again on my runs and stuff. And um, so I noticed something as I was thinking about this in the first song, The Dark Before the Dawn. I want to read some of the lyrics. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the last song and the last lyrics because it feels like it so perfectly bookends this story that you're trying to tell and um whether it was intentional or not uh it's it's gorgeous so the lyric i want to read from the dark for the dawn is how it starts i've been waiting for the sun to come blazing up out of the night like a bullet from a gun such a great lyric right there until every shadow is scattered every dragon's on the run oh i believe i believe the light is gonna come this is the dark before the dawn uh just and the song is big what inspired you to write those words and to start the record off that way uh well that was the first song that i wrote for the record and um i was in a kind of a, a little bit of a drought from a writing standpoint i was just a little bit burnt out i was going through a season of depression where the thought of like writing songs seemed so foreign and I, like out of like i just couldn't imagine myself doing it um, but I knew that I had this deadline, and the inciting incident for that song was actually something. It was, I think it was watching the news. I forget which which horrific thing had happened in the world, but there was some ISIS thing, and I just it was like the the opposite of the cherry on top. <laughs> yeah. It was like I was already feeling bad, and then it was this like this thing where it was like, look, you think you're broken? Look at the world. Look how, how completely screwed up this place is. And that just gave me that first lyric, the first line of the song. It's gorgeous. Yeah, and and so I did want to, like, it felt appropriate that all the songs grew out of that one, that that would be the, the, the one that would launch it. And it kind of was the compass for the whole record. Yeah, it's beautiful. And then, okay, so last question. I know we're out of time, but the last song is the Sower song, also one of my favorites on the record. And the lyric that it ends with is, and the rain and the snow falls down from the sky and they don't return, but, they're, but they water the earth and they bring forth life, giving seed to the sower and bread for the hungry. And so shall the word of the Lord be with a sound like thunder and it will not return void. And then that just repeats over and over and it will not return void. It will not return void. You shall be led in peace and go out with joy and the sower leads us. And what I saw there is that's like, like, and so those are the bookends, right? There's this darkness, there's, uh, there's fear, there's chaos. And then the, the, the album ends with this hopeful refrain and it's sort of repeating over and over again. That's what I love about even musically, it, it grows and repeats and the sower leads us and the sower leads us. So, um, Gosh, I love that song. Was there any, you know, thought around putting it there? Those lyrics. Yeah, man. Well, let me just say thank you. Um, like this record was such a uh, frightening experience in a lot of ways, and I think every album is this way. Any songwriter you talk to, like your dream is that the songs will go out into the world and that people will think about them the way that you have, and. Um, you know, pay attention to what it is that you're trying to do. And so I just, uh, I feel humbled and grateful that you, um, you, ha you, that you listen to the record that much. Um, the, uh, 
um, the slower song was the, I think the last song written for the album. And it was a piece of music that Ben Shive, my, uh, old traveling buddy, he, he's a songwriter and a producer now. Um, he wrote it as a TV track. So that whole piano thing was a do 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 do. All that was all for mo- like t- television or film. Huh. And, um, and I was out of songs. I didn't have any any music written. And I emailed him and said, "Do you have anything laying around that you're not using?" And he sent me that. And so uh, almost from the beginning of the record, that piece exactly as you hear it, like it's it's, it's like we didn't change anything. Every measure is the same. Um, and uh, I would just listen to that music. Uh, on my way home from the studio trying to find the song like like I said the dark before the dawn was the, the first song of the record and everything was kind of informed by it and it just took me writing all the rest of the songs before I was able to see this this kind of agrarian theme that yeah. kept yeah. popping up in all the lyrics and and I, and I uh the I had written the rain keeps falling which talks about that picture of like the rain being a bad thing until you have to plant seeds and then you realize that it's a good thing. and so Anyway, as a gardener myself, uh, writing, like I finally, uh, the light bulb went on and I realized that that that, that was the record. You know, this is an album about God the gardener, really, and about the fact that we want fruit now, but fruit takes time, you know, um, and that the only way for good fruit to grow is to rip the weeds out. And sometimes tearing the weeds out is really painful. Yeah. Um, the only way for something good to grow is to get rid of that stuff. So all of that stuff is going through my mind. And um, thinking about God, God as a gardener, and I happened to open my Bible to Isaiah chapter 55, and um, I forget what led me there, but I just opened it up and it was like, there it is, you know, it's, it's all yeah. there. It's this picture of the new creation that is so stirring. So all I did was make Isaiah rhyme, like that whole, <laughs> that whole back half of the, the Sower song is, is um, almost straight scripture. Um, and yeah. so, so the fact that the word of the Lord will not return is like the, the my desperate hope is that all this mess that we're going through um whatever somebody's going through is gonna have some redemptive um fruit does that make sense yeah totally yeah and so here's the last little nerdy thing since, since uh you listen to the record that much is that i wrote the dark before the dawn and left this hole at the end you know that kind of vamp that happens at the end of the song um i hadn't written anything because when i wrote the song i um I love the Counting Crows record, August and everything. Yes, one of the best records of all time, definitely. So the last song is A Murder of One, and at the end of it, Adam Duritz is going, I will walk along these hillsides in the summer mm-hmm. neath the sunshine. So when I would play that song live, I would end like that. So wow. so I would, after that whole dark before the dawn, i go, I'll walk along these hillsides in the summer. And there would be like five guys my age that would be in the back. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. And I would be one of them. I would be yeah. one of them. If I was in the audience, it's because I love that lyric so much. But anyway, so we, we emailed uh, his publisher to say, hey, how can we, what would it look like for us to use that that snippet of lyric? And I would have to have given up 50% of the song wow. to wow. out of the Counting Crows. And I was like, ooh, that stings, man. I don't want to like lose. Just this fun little tag was going to cost me a lot. Um, not just money-wise, but actually like like a little bit of like, artistic like ow it hurts to like to do that so anyway so we forgot about it we recorded that space of time and music and then kind of went oh yeah i'll have to go back and write some lyric to fill in that blank until the very end of the record and i'd written the sower song and i realized oh no 
we've got to go write the tag for Dark Before the Dawn. But now I knew exactly what the tag needed to be. So that whole, I had a dream that I was waking at the burning edge of dawn was written after the rest of the record. Wow. So, is that, so it was kind of a cool, happy accident that I wrote the Dark Before the Dawn before everything else. But I was able to write the tag after everything else. And so uh, that kind of tied the thing together. So all that stuff is just like when I was saying when you're writing a book, the thing pushes back and it, it, uh, it becomes something hopefully that is better than you're capable of doing. So this is one of those cases where Gabe and I looked at it and we were like, you know what? I don't feel terribly responsible for the good moments on this record. It feels like mm. um, something to just be grateful for. Well, thank you so much, Andrew, uh, for your time. Uh, I know Kai and Solvay are going to remember this day for a long time. You're so generous with your time. And uh, keep writing both music and books. Uh, excited to see the potential of the the prequel or prologue from... Um, <laughs> from the wing feather and we will um when this thing goes out we'll you know we'll um we'll link to all your books and all that stuff so and your music too andrew so thanks so much man uh did do kai and uh solve know about the uh the film and that's in the works i don't know do you guys know that there's a film in the works yeah they're, oh of yeah, course they know Okay, their mom is sitting here, Joanna, and she just told me, oh, yeah, they know everything. They're Kickstarter members. They're the whole deal. So uh, they probably know more than you do, Andrew, about what's happening. Cool. Can I show you guys something really cool? Here, come here. So I just got we're, the art director. The art director is working on the character design for the movies right now. Yep. So like we're having to draw all these pictures of Janner and Kalmar and Lily to try to figure out what is the perfect look. So here's the most recent Kalmar. Are you ready? You guys want to see what it looks like? Yeah. So here's the, uh, oh, I hope this works. Yep. It's coming through. Hey. What do you guys yeah. think? Yeah. Let me zoom in a little bit. Hold on. Can you guys see that? Yep. Yeah, I like it. Yep. That that's killer. What do you think, Solve? Yeah. Sneak cool, peek. Huh? Look at the. There's one down here of him running. You got to see this one. Yeah. Oh, that's killer. That's killer. Light or something. Yeah. Yeah. So right there. Kind of the vibe. It's not anime, but it's kind of like pushes that way just a little bit. Um, and yeah, this is. Uh, All these guys are, and I've been sitting in a room talking about dragons. It's awesome. <laughs> that sounds fun, doesn't it? You guys sitting in a room talking about what your dragons look like and what should, what should Kalmar look like, and what about Poto? I want to see a picture of Poto. I mean, do you got anything? You will see soon. Ah, so great, so great. All right, Andrew, I know you got a you got a role, you got a show to uh, get ready for tonight. But um, any chance you're going to be in Minneapolis anytime soon on your tour? Man, I don't. We're we're doing a string of shows in Europe this summer. Um, my family and I, nice. and we get, we get back in August, and there's a whole bunch of shows because I will be broke when we get back. So there's a whole <laughs> bunch of shows um, in the fall, and I'm I want to say I am coming up that way. So yeah, just keep it on the website. Hopefully we'll be up all right. There. Well, we'll 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 come and see you when you uh, when you arrive in our fair city. Thanks, Andrew, so much. See you later. Peace, my friend. Okay. Bye.